There's another podcast you should be listening to, TED Health, a podcast from the TED Audio Collective. Join host Dr. Shoshana Ungerleiter as she introduces you to leading health experts and breaks down the health questions you didn't know you had. Learn more about the way your body works and the newest insights changing the medical world, like what a smart bra means for better heart health, three ways to prepare for the next pandemic, and how we can all live healthier lives. Find TED Health wherever you listen to podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Candace. She's grieving the loss of her husband and original Sick Boy guest, Leighton Reed. Let's talk about it. Uh, okay, so we are, uh, we're rolling. We're good to go. Are you guys set? Good to go. With your stuff? Good to go. Um... Hi, Candice. Hi. Uh, so this is this is uh, this is a first for us. Um, I guess people don't know this probably right off the bat, but uh, I guess let's start off with you're not sick. No, I'm not. At least not. Hopefully so, not. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully not. Uh, not to our knowledge, you're not you're not sick. But uh, you uh, you were the wife of. Uh, a guest that we had on the podcast before who was yep. sick uh, by the name of Leighton Reed. Yep. Leighton was one of our very first guests. Yep. Um, and the title of that episode was Terminal Cancer. Uh, and inevitably, Leighton's cancer was uh, terminal. Leighton passed away. When did Leighton pass away? January 19th. January 19th. Four months ago. And maybe, like yeah. a, maybe a disclaimer that if, not that you have to, but the con con for context listening to that episode it was like the fourth or fifth episode um that we ever recorded so go back and listen to that mm. this is that that would be very very helpful yeah absolutely like and one um, of our best episodes i love that episode it's hilarious yeah. Yeah. it's pretty funny yeah. i was listening to it again today <laughs> I to it on the weekend <laughs> the, the the part about the uh about going out going out with one last fart like that <laughs> yeah, fucking was, kills me i, I, was just I didn't remember that part and then i listened <laughs> yeah. to it and i was like oh too late <laughs> <laughs> um so you 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 asked to come on the show you asked yeah. to you reached out to us yeah i did i'm so grateful that you did um because I don't think it's something that I ever would have thought to reach out to you. Um, and I think the reason why would would be because I, I, I just feel like it would be such a sensitive mm-hmm. yeah. thing to do and, and probably not. Um, uh, you just feel like it's not really your place. Not really my place. Yeah. And so when you reached out, it was kind of um, uh, surprising and also really exciting because it's something that I, I am really excited to Sort of talk think, to you about. I think straight away too that that kind of um, makes me wonder about the question um, about how how exactly you should approach somebody who is dealing immediately with with uh, losing a loved one to to whatever it is and or who I has get, lost. Yeah, yeah, and and I wonder because like I I've known people in my life who have also lost somebody very close to them and it's always very difficult to come up with the right thing to say Mm -hmm. and I don't know if if there is a right thing to say but is there was there was there something that you kind of hoped people would say rather than another thing um not really I mean there's never the right thing to say. I mean, I still struggle with that. I've had friends who've lost loved ones in, since I've lost Leighton, and I'm still in that position. Like, mm-hmm. uh, what do I, it's, mm. it's an awkward situation, you know? And I think throughout his illness and even after he passed away, just being there, you know, like if it's a friend or, you know, just saying, hey, I'm thinking of you or, you know, what's up? Do you want to hang out? Let me, or even just let me know if you want company or, you know, kind of just reaching out so they know that you're, they're around if you want them. Mm -hmm. Because really there's nothing they can say. And sometimes people have good intentions, but they, 
Yeah. Did people ever just <laughs> fucking botch it? Like yeah, they got totally. the, they got those good intentions, but they yeah. come in and they're like, I hope you're horny. I meant happy. I meant happy. I was wondering what you were going to say. I really didn't know. I was really trying to fuck it up. I think I did. Yeah, you did. Because like nothing, nothing, no one's going to say something and you go, oh, thank God. I feel I feel good. I feel, yeah. I feel okay now. I mean, I think the best mm. thing to say is like obviously nice things about Layton because yeah. it's like, you know. And that wasn't how, hard to do. Yeah. Because exactly. Layton was he such was an awesome, awesome dude. He's funny and hilarious. And I think we were both, well, he was and I am just, we're not people that are easily offended. So mm. it's kind of hard to say the wrong thing unless you like say something bad about him or Finn. I pretty much won't care. So. Right. Yeah. What so uh so Leighton came in when we spoke with Leighton, um basically there was there was a big question mark yep. in terms of where he was at in his um in his cancer. Yeah. Um you know he knew that it was end stage but chose to not really do any sort of digging into what mm-hmm. the l- timeline was in terms of like how soon death might be yeah. at the doorstep. Um, and one thing that he did say, and I've wondered this quite a bit actually, is he was talking about how uh, when things were not looking on mm-hmm. the up and up and he would go into the doctor mm-hmm. um, and he would leave you at the doctor. Yeah. He would say, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to step out and – you can ask whatever it is that you feel like you yeah. need to ask. Were you aware? Were you kind of in the know of, of what his yeah. lifeline was looking like? Definitely. That was something I needed to know because I'm a planner and that's how I cope is I knew I needed to know, okay, what are we looking at here? Is this mm-hmm. really bad? Is this awful? Like <clears throat> that helped me cope was kind of preparing while he was still here. So yeah, I mean, back in November, Things started to really go downhill in October, November, for sure. Um, of 2016. Yeah, just yeah. last fall. Mm-hmm. So I, I actually had that conversation with his doctor in November, and I was like, hey, what do you think? And he was like, you know, I think he has like a month. And I was like, oh, you don't even think he's going to live to Christmas? And he's like, mm, not really. And I was like, okay, so that's like well. a total different ball game here. You don't, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to have to prepare Finn a little bit, Mm. but you know, Leighton was Leighton and he said, fuck you statistics like always. And, uh, (laughs) he lived till, you know, almost the end of January. So I think he was too stubborn. I don't think he would have died before Christmas because he would have been. He's like, it's fucking Christmas. Like fucking it up for everybody else. So I think he would get through that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, if there's any time of the year, I think like end of January when there's pretty much nothing else going on. There's not a whole lot. (laughs) I guess if he picked the time, then (laughs) did um, good good job, good job, job, Layton. Did did some of those original? (laughs) Did some of those original timelines that those original discussions you had with, with the doctors were those were those accurate? Like when you're when you're when you look back. Yeah. Were they were they it was getting close? It's really hard for them. Like when he came in to talk to you guys, he had just started a new drug therapy. Mm. And we knew it they didn't really know how long. It was like it was they were using it a little bit more um often for sort of his situation, his condition, but it was still relatively new. So they they kind of said you know, six months, a year, maybe more. Mm-hmm. So they didn't really have any idea. Right. So we just kind of went into it like, okay, yeah, things are going to be good for a while and just kind of put it out of our head. And looking back, I think, you know, his oncologist always said, you'll see signs. And I think I, I wish I would have just listened to that a little bit more. He was saying you, Candace, would see signs? Yes. Well, okay. Like, Leighton would have symptoms. Right, And sure. I would notice them, like, because it was in his brain. So I noticed changes even with that oh, he didn't wow. acknowledge himself. Like what? Uh, like, memory for sure mm. really went. Personality changes, like, uh, just, you know, being a little bit more short-fused than usual, kind of overreacting a little bit more. Layton was so laid back and yeah. he it took a lot for him to get angry, but he his fuse was a little shorter for sure. And then as it got closer to him passing, um, you know, sometimes he wouldn't know who I was or he wouldn't remember oh, fuck, things fuck. or um he always remembered Finn though, which was nice. How yeah. challenging was that like I mean at that time when things are like is there a sense of you know uh, we're now moving into a phase where this is Almost a different person. Yeah. It, that's, I felt like I really lost Leighton in November. Right. It, he wasn't himself anymore. Yes, he would have some moments of himself, mm-hmm. but 
it was more of a caregiver role at that point. Like I needed to keep track of his appointments and what his symptoms were when and his meds. And, you know, that was more our relationship. It was, was like a supportive relationship rather right. than like a husband wife relationship. Does that make it easier or harder? I think it probably made it easier because I was able to sort of say goodbye to him while he was still here. Right. So by the time he actually died, I felt like, and I've read this before on the internet for people who've had partners that have died too, that like kids and partners often, um, when they, the person passes away, they don't have that immediate grief mm-hmm. that everybody else has because they've seen that person slip away over the months mm. before that. So you've almost had that chance to cope. It's But the friends and the family who haven't been there to witness all of that change, the funeral is usually when it hits them. But yeah, mm. I felt like it really hit me the week leading up to him passing away because he kind of went into, I guess you call it a coma. I don't know what you call it, but he was not really that responsive and he started having apnea. He actually had... So people get apneas when they're going to die a lot of times, which is when they stop breathing, but they don't completely stop breathing. They'll stop right. for but 10, Like 20. me every night, pretty much. Oh, right? it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's super terrifying like, to watch him sleep. Like, is he is he with us? What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's... So I didn't know about this. But oh, the no. nurse, thank God, the, nurse, the home care nurse was there. And I was like, okay, you just stop breathing. Okay, you still stop breathing. And I'm thinking about this. And she's sitting there like writing a report. And I'm like, she's not freaked out. I'm like, he just stopped breathing. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's just an apnea. So you stand there and you wait and you're like, okay, so right. start breathing again. <laughs> anyway, that really freaked me out. And like, that's when it started to hit. That's when it really hit because the nurse, thank goodness she was there. I was like bawling. Yeah. And he wasn't responsive at all. And so she t- talked me through it all. She was like, and, and really, she was the only person that really did say, okay, this is what's going to happen now. Right. He's going to start having these more often and longer until he just stops breathing. Now, leading up to that that period of time where, you know, you said, I, I really kind of lost late yeah. in November. Um, did you do anything specific, um, whether it's so, like something that you decided on yourself or, or something that you had read, research that you might have done, to prepare yourself for that, that loss, that initial loss before the actual, like, you know, death itself. Mm -hmm. Um, like, did you do anything to prepare or was it just an organic sort of, you let it happen and prepared in your own sort of way? I I read a lot on the internet. Um, I read a book called final gifts, which I really enjoyed. It was, it's written by, I think it was a couple of palliative care nurses and it was like the experience of people, family members going through those last few months with people and things they might say or do. Basically I was reading to look for signs. Like I really needed to know when it was going to happen. Like I didn't want to be caught off guard. That was my biggest concern. Right. Cause you never know, you don't know, is he going to like have a stroke? Is he going to stop breathing? Like I really didn't know. So I was just reading as much as I could about the final weeks to months to get some clues into how long, um, you know, they thought he might have, because at this point he'd already outlived that month that the mm, doctor mm-hmm. said. And then it's a, what a, fu- what a fucked up thing, right? Yeah. To be like, okay, so sir, uh, you have cancer, um, and it's not good. It's bad. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're, you're probably not going to come out of it. Um, yeah. and we're guessing you have six months, three to six months. Yeah. It's like, where the fuck does yeah. that number <clears throat> come from? They honestly you know, like make it up, I think, because they look at, because honestly, your cancer tumors or whatever could grow really fast or really yeah. slow and they have no idea. Mm. All they base it on is how have they been growing up till now? Right. And what, how big are they? And when I met with the doctor and Layton didn't know, that was the thing. So I knew he might not make it to Christmas, but he didn't know that. So uh, even up to that point, yes, he still was like, I don't want to know. He had no idea. And I had to like wow. try to, not treat him like, oh my God, you might not make it till Christmas. I had to like keep all that inside, which was really hard because of course, like your husband, you tell them everything, you talk through everything, but <clears throat> I had to kind of like just internalize that and tell my mother. And In those moments when Leighton would leave you with the doctor in the yeah. office and be like, okay, Candace, ask away. Yeah. Um, when you would leave the office, like, were you just like hardcore poker face? Totally. 
I would totally Fuck. be like, <laughs> I, what so I would do is crazy. I would like smile and I'd be like, yeah, it's all good. Like, it's all good. Don't worry. And I would try to be like as positive as I could. Give him a noogie. <laughs> yeah, because I knew if I came out like totally defeated, he would yeah. know what he would the know something's up. So, How hard did that make the process for you, though? Do you th- do you find that that put a lot, uh, a lot more on on you emotionally? It was hard. Yeah, it was really hard. It was like totally it was trying to compartmentalize everything and be like okay in this moment with the doctor I can talk about it I can be like holy shit and then I'm like okay need to like put game face back on and I don't want to think like I was being fake or anything else late and it was all in his best interest you know it was, it just was like, what he wanted it was what, it was he, what wanted. he wanted yeah, yeah. exactly he, he wasn't want doing it. any sort of uh oh, sometimes like he head would. game sort of oh. like typical guy <laughs> right like, <laughs> and like he would he, he'd let you come out of the doctor's office and then he'd be like so uh how'd it go <laughs> or he'd be asking me questions after the fact and they came to the point where i just be like look I thought you didn't want to know this why are you asking me yeah, and the thing yeah. about him is we knew each other so well he could read me and right. he knew when I was, I'm an awful liar mm-hmm. so he knew and I'd just be like listen stop asking me yeah. I'm gonna tell you to fuck off every time because I'm not gonna tell you and uh, it was like he, him knowing that I knew I think it was kind of like oh, I want to know but I don't want to know but. yeah well I mean like you know I, I didn't get it yeah honestly when when we sat down and we talked with Leighton um, I, I'm not I'm not ter- terminal right now right. you know like I have I have a long future ahead of me I'm sure um, but you know I do think about that a lot yeah and when he told me that he didn't he didn't want to know, like, yeah. like they just did not want to take in the date. I, I, that, that blew my mind. Yeah. Cause you don't hear that. No. Yeah. yeah. yeah you, I, I've never heard of anybody who, who just doesn't want to know. It's a really interesting way to go about it. I think, I think I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been like that myself before going through the experience with him. But now that I have, I totally get it. And I'm like, that is definitely the way that I would do it because yeah. he just, I think you can just live more Peaceful. In the moment. Yeah. Like you yeah. can just enjoy the moment, not worry about, okay. And I, and I get what he was saying. He was basically saying, look, if the doctor tells me three to six months, your mind is powerful. When my three months is up, I'm going to be like, okay, I'm going to die now, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. instead of just yeah. being like, okay, I'm feeling good still. I could have a lot of time. I don't know. I'm just going to enjoy myself. And he was able to kind of block that out until things got really bad. And then he wasn't with it enough to really... Notice, yeah. yeah, yeah, realize. Yeah. Brian and I were having a conversation the other day, um, and we were, we were um, going for a walk with uh, him and his girlfriend, and who's a nurse, and she said that somebody had died in surgery, um, maybe the day before, and I was like, oh, that'd be, that's probably a good way to go, in the way that, in the way that you go in, yeah. and you kind of like slip into this, they induce you into um, yeah. anesthesia. And you don't know. And I, and I kind of, I, I think I liken that to kind of yeah. choosing to not get the, the estimation on how long you have left yeah. so that you're not constantly going, all right, well, yesterday was 90 days and mm-hmm. now this is 89 days. And I'd be constantly not living in the present. Yeah. And again, and it's like, you have that time, like you said, you have the time minus the time where technically, I guess, where he starts to change due to the tumors and the growth of the tumors. And I mean, that would be really hard to deal with. Yeah. And I think his concern too was, and he wasn't aware, so it was good, but the level of care that the rest of us would be giving him. Because Lane was such an independent person. Like before he got sick, he hated attention. He hated anyone taking care of him. Like he was just like the most independent person I've ever met. So his biggest fear was being completely dependent, Mm -hmm. which he was in the end because he couldn't, you know, he couldn't even get out of bed on his own at the end, right? He needed help. Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel, ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast, Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you got your podcasts. Leighton was uh, was a really 
really talented writer. Um, yeah. And he, so for anybody, for anybody who has refused to take our advice and hasn't gone back and listened to, uh, Layton's episode, um, Layton did a lot of writing on Facebook in that. I mean, he was, I was aware of it before we had had the, our chat, uh, on the show, which was what a year and a half ago now, or yeah, yeah about, that. about, about a year and a half ago. Um, so that was the fall of 2015 and, he he had started writing on Facebook and kind of like like writing like open letters to his tumors, yeah. Yeah. which I found re- like a really creative. Like he was <laughs> yeah. speaking to his to yeah. his tumors. Um, and what did he call them? He called them his friends in the attic. Yeah, was that what it, <laughs> which I thought was so cute. Um, how did you? I, I, I'm you don't to, often hear someone refer to, to, to brain tumors as cute, but yeah, that is kind of a cute just, way yeah, to go about it. It's a cute way. If you, can, if you can make tumors cute, that's how you that's do how, it. Yeah. He was, like I said, he was a talented writer. Um, how did you kind of, uh, how did you feel about how he was like expressing himself with his kind of writing with Facebook and, and like putting these, like being really, really like vulnerable and raw to yeah. like a massive group of people? I was really proud of him. I thought... You know, like he was saying, even in the interview with you guys, he kind of was stuck in the house for those two years while he was doing Gerson. And he became more of an introvert than he was before. And I think it was hard, you know, I don't know about you guys, but guys in general, they don't talk about their emotions a lot like he did. But, you know, with guy friends or what have you. So I think it was a nice way of him to let people know. Like an outlet. Yeah, it was Mm. good. I was proud of him for sure. And. And the reaction was amazing. I mean, yeah. people's responses were incredible. And, you know, he got some different responses from people he didn't know. But, <laughs> yeah. you know. Did you did you guys have, like, a lot of people reach out to you after his episode came out on Sick Boy? He, oh, he did constantly. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Did the did anything ever happen with the uh, I know when we were talking with him he was pretty gung ho about the project about sort of people coming together and offering yes. what they wanted to share with Finn yes. when he gets older the village project yeah yeah mm-hmm. he's, he's got it all done up wow yeah yeah he, he got these cards made with like each person has their own card like uh, it says the village project on the front and on the back it has their name, their occupation, or whatever they're passionate about, and their contact information. And so you're going to give that to Finn yeah, at some back. point when he's in the yeah. when he's uh, when he's older. Yeah, that's so sweet. I, I want to talk about Finn and how, like, how you. So how old is he now? He'll be four in August. Okay, and so so, you know, how do you how do you break break it to a three year old that yeah. their father is is never going to come back. Yeah. That was literally the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. He, so the cancer center has this amazing nurse there who deals with families um, of palliative care patients. She talked me through everything. So we started probably, we started talking about it in December when things started getting a little bit worse because your natural instinct is to protect them and to not tell them like Mm -hmm. to shut them out, to close the door. So he doesn't see anything. And basically that's the complete opposite of what you're supposed to do. She was awesome. She, so basically what we did was with her guidance is I basically talked Finn through all the steps. So as Leighton was not able to get out of bed, let's say, or didn't have the energy to play. I'd be like, daddy doesn't have the energy to play. He can, you can still talk to him. And, and I actually said, daddy has cancer And I explained like it's a disease and some people get better from it and some people don't. And daddy tried really hard. He tried everything, but he's not going to get better. Mm. So you kind of start like planting the seed Mm. early on. And then like when the next change comes, like when Layton uh, wasn't responsive anymore and daddy's asleep right now, daddy's not going to wake up, but he can still hear you. You can still talk to him. You can go see him whenever you want to. So you kind of just talk Mm. through. And then at first Finn would say, but when daddy wakes up, he's going to play with me. And I'd be like, no, buddy, daddy's not going to wake up. He can't, he's not going to be able to play with you, but you can still talk to him and he loves you. And so I kind of just always say, but you can do this. So mm-hmm. I would let him go in whenever he wanted. And he did. He'd go in and he'd touch him because Lane mm-hmm. was in a hospital bed at that point. So he'd go in and touch him and what have you. And then when Leighton, so Leighton passed away in our house and it was a Thursday night. And I decided not to tell Finn in the morning to send him 
to preschool so that we could get done what we needed to get done without him there to see everything. Mm. So then I had to break it to him after preschool that night. And uh, that was like, oh, so awful. So awful for me, not for him. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he was upset, but I was so upset and he was just, I've never seen that look on his face. He was just so concerned about me. Yeah. He was just Mm -hmm. like, are you okay, mommy? Like he was just like, it was really sweet. Mm. He's such a compassionate kid. Um, I was at a, I was at an event, uh, a couple of weeks ago in Toronto and, um, basically it was, it was a fundraiser for the IWK and I, I gave this speech and afterwards there was a gentleman that came up to me and he works in cancer research Mm -hmm. and, uh, he, he's lost someone very close to him in his life. And we were talking about grief and he said something that I just, it, it was so profound. I've never heard anyone say it. He was talking about how the biggest lesson he took from his loss in cancer is to deal with grief the same way that a child deals with grief Mm -hmm. in that, you know, adults oftentimes will like take on this, like the burden of grief and, and they let it, they, it swallows them up and they can't let it go. Whereas a child like processes it, goes through it, it hurts. Yeah. But then like a child would, they move on and exactly, you know, they're, they're able, they're capable of going out and playing and having fun and still enjoying their like childhood and their life. Um, Yet as adults, we have this like tendency to carry all the weight and all the burden. Very true. Do you think it's like the, like almost like the lack of understanding or, or perceived understanding yeah. of the situation? Because they, they're like, okay, I understand this on a very like, um, base level. Yeah. And they don't, they don't, <clears throat> excuse me, immediately start to like think about all the hypotheticals or what ifs or like what could I have done or what should I have done or well that's what I was going to ask you Candace is is do you think that it's and I hope this question doesn't come off as like insensitive but do you think that it's almost a blessing that Leighton passed away when when Finn it was the age that he was definitely as opposed to Finn being like 10 or or 15 you know yeah and we talked about that a little bit Leighton and I and it's it's a blessing and a curse because <laughs> it's true Leighton's biggest fear. Like Finn probably won't remember Leighton. Yeah. Uh, at least his own memories of Leighton. Like right. he will through pictures and stories and everything that Leighton's left him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I do think it is. I think it was a lot easier for Finn. Even being three versus four versus five is totally different. And yeah. he was able to – it was interesting watching him process it because he would – we talked about it. We cried about it that night. And then Finn would be like, can I have some milk? And you're like, right. okay, bud, yeah, you can have some milk. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah. they talk about how kids take breaks from grief. So mm. they'll like grieve and then they'll go play and then they'll grieve. And and you, we would see that like the next morning he would get up and be like, daddy's dead. And we're like, yep, daddy's dead. Like he just needed the affirmation like yeah. quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And then after he'd be like, daddy's in a box. And you'd be like, yep, daddy's in a box. Daddy is in a box. Do you have any mm. questions, bud? Nope, let's go play. Huh. you're like, okay. <laughs> Do you think that made it easier for you? You know, kind of also you know, just taking on those, those very simple affirmations yeah. and, and being like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And I, like I do. seeing I do. him be kind of like very matter of fact it, about it, it. Definitely. And there's a book that I read him that the hospital gave me called big D explaining death and dying to children. Amazing book. I think it's a local writer actually that wrote it. Amazing book. It explains everything so bi- simply. It's called The Big D. I was going to say, can we, <laughs> yeah, I was can like, we please, on. rewind. Can we please be immature about that title for the, at least a minute? The Big D. You <laughs> should call it The Large D or something that, something that totally. isn't so, that isn't so innuendous. I was wondering why you guys had a blank face. I was like, like uh, yeah. what? I was like, so, so glad that you said it, Brian. I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I was I like, hey, right. Brian, Brian, Brian's going to say it. The girthy Brian's D. Say it. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Getting around dying. Yeah, I, I feel like that is a really, really that's a super interesting i concept of whether <laughs> it's is it you know is it better or worse for Finn to be at an age where later on in his life he might he you know he doesn't like you said he doesn't know him from his own memories he'll know them from photos yeah. and the things that he's done in preparation like the village projects and stuff like I, I never knew either of my grandfathers mm-hmm. um, I was alive. But not, but not to 
to the point where I could remember. Right. So I don't have like that causes me no that causes me no grief as an adult. Right. Because I don't have any like tactile right. experiences that I can that I can put my finger on. So I think that's a really, really there's interesting certainly, idea. I think there's certainly like pros and cons. Like obviously I mean, grief wise, it might be easier, but also there's the fact that you're growing up without having your dad there, you know, and, and that's obviously like the the experience of somebody who loses their, one of their parents at, at 15, the grief might be almost unbearable yet they at least have the experience of getting to know them up until the point where they were old enough to, to, to be mature and understand them and have like really real experiences that they can uh, remember their parents by, right? Yeah. How have you been handling your grief so far? You know, you're four months out since the the death. Um, What's that process been like? It's been a roller coaster. I think at first it's shock. Even though you know it's coming, it's still a shock. And there's so much to do. Like I had no idea how much stuff there is to do. Like even just... Planning the memorial service or funeral, then, you know, dealing with the stuff. What do you do with the stuff? And I kind of was just in such a phase, a fog, what have you. I was just like, okay, I'm going to deal with it now while I'm not really thinking straight. And then it'll be done. And I, you know, it'd probably be harder to deal with it down the road. And then you have like closing bank accounts and credit cards and passports and everything. It's like, whoa, okay, this is a lot. And then, like, there's people around all the time. And then it kind of slows down a bit. And then I ended up going back to work, like, probably two weeks after. Oh, wow. So I just needed to get back into normal. I knew if I sat around and thought about it too much, it would just be depressing. Yeah. But uh, I think I've been dealing with it pretty well. Like, it, uh, lots of support. I have my family and my friends who've been awesome. But I do find it's kind of been hitting me a little bit more lately because – um, we're actually, as you guys saw on the internet, Leighton's getting buried in New Glasgow. So it was winter when he passed away. So we couldn't bury him because right. the ground was frozen. So we're going to do that in a couple of weeks. So I've kind of been thinking about that. I'm like, okay, this is going to dredge it all back up again. It's Where's be hard. he been? Where, where he's is at home. In is a he, box. He's, That's what Finn's talking about, the box. Like he's actually at your yeah, house? Yeah, he's at our house. Yeah. Wait, whoa, 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 what? So he's in a, Oh, so like he's, the, cre- he's cremated. He's cremated. He, oh, he's been he's cremated. He's not like his box being <laughs> yeah. preserved in the house. I, yeah, I was oh, like, yeah. holy fuck, Candace, <laughs> yeah. I think this is very illegal <laughs> and very unsafe. He's just on the same. No. <laughs> I, he's cremated. I so he, he's been cremated. He's been cremated. Got it. Yes. Okay. So he's in a urn. My bad. Okay. Yes. Box yes. really connotes box with box. a bot for a body. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah. I actually was like, holy shit. This urn is like a wooden box, not like one of those little vases. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was yes. a joke and then I could tell you were serious and then I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh, Jared's confused. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, one of the things that, um, that Leighton was talking about um, on his episode was, you know, we were talking about Finn and how Finn we were talking about legacies and yeah. and what he wanted to leave behind for Finn, but but also the fact that he's leaving Finn behind, like that yeah. is a part of him. Um, and when I when I heard that, um, I listened to it again today, and when I when I heard that, I was wondering if if you see Leighton in Finn. Oh my God! You have no idea. And. Is that challenging? Like, is that hard for you? Or is it, is it kind of like a, like a bittersweet? It's bittersweet, I would say. Yeah. Because it is, it's a reminder, which is good and bad, right? You want to remember, but it it hurts to remember. Mm. But sometimes I curse them and I'm like, it's funny the little things you see. Like, Mm. I don't know if you guys ever noticed Leighton was very particular about his clothing. Like he only wore mostly gray, plain Finn is the same way, and Finn has no idea that Leighton was like it that. It was like that? I That's try to so dress funny. him in the morning and be like, no, I want plain shirt, plain. He'll only wear black sneakers. Like, very particular. I'm like, oh, it's your father. Okay. <laughs> like, stuff like that, you know? Yeah. It's it's funny to me sometimes. Yeah. But then it's it's neat, as with any parent, it's neat to see, like, what your child has of who. But it's it's nice. Mm-hmm. It's, it's nice for his parents, too, I think, to see, yeah. you know, so much of Leighton and Finn. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you, 
we we also joked about uh, about Leighton, um, you know, like vet like like online vetting like a future husband for you uh, <laughs> yeah. and that was a really funny portion of the the <laughs> yeah. conversation um, it's true too and yeah i saw that post when yeah. he made it it was it was great oh it wasn't just online it was in person oh in person oh, yes. <laughs> okay so so you know um are you are, have you started dating i haven't okay and have you had that sort of conversation with yourself about yeah. when is when is the right time yeah. and how soon is too soon? And yeah, I think about that a lot because of course you're. Well, I like being. I've always been in a relationship, so you miss the companionship and you miss you know, going out having fun with someone else. And you think, yeah, when when is the right time? I don't think there is a right time. Mm. I think. Obviously, Leighton was very comfortable with it, and I I like we talked about me dating again. Um, I think it just comes down to when you meet somebody. I mean, I'm not at the stage where I'm going to go post a online, you know, on a dating site or something like that. But if I met somebody that was, you know, interesting and that I liked, I, I wouldn't have any problem going on a date. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know how that would go. I mean, it's definitely a weird (laughs) thing, you know, when you've Mm. spent almost 16 years with somebody to the start thinking about dating somebody else is, I don't know. You wonder how you'll be, you'd react, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. A, a good uh, way to ease into it is on Tinder. Just get on Tinder. <laughs> yeah. I've heard <laughs> just, about Tinder. <laughs> just make an account and, uh, and that's an easy way yeah. to get back. I know. Get I, back I, out there. We, Brian and I, well, Jeremy has, Brian and I have, have been in relationships through the inception of Tinder. So we also have like no idea how, like that whole scene works. I have no We're, idea either. Don't don't rush into it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, please don't. Yeah, not not so much. Yeah, yeah. not necessary. Uh, do you think you'll ever remarry? I hope so. Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay, how long were you guys married? Uh, we were married for six, just over six years. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't uh, wasn't the type of marriage that you were like, well, I definitely won't be doing that again. No, no. Okay. We had a great relationship. Right, yeah. yeah, we were together for a long, long time. Since we were twenty. Yeah. So a long oh, really? time. Yeah. Did you guys have did you guys have shared bank accounts or was it was it separate? We had one shared and separate. Okay. Yeah. One shared and one separate or each. Yeah, we separate. each had our own and then we had a shared. Right. Yeah. God, yeah, I'm just trying to think of like how like <laughs> Bridie and I have shared bank accounts. So I feel like it's like like and that's it. And so yeah. I feel like if if I pass away, it would be pretty easy. But you were it mentioning would be, earlier it's about easier that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. With the not shared, it, I, it, I think yeah, yeah. It was it was really messed up. I had no idea. So I probably shouldn't name what bank it was, but we banked at a bank, <laughs> a local <laughs> bank. And so when I went in to close his bank account, they wouldn't even tell me how much was in his account. I thought that was so weird. That so I brought weird. like you know, the will, like every, the marriage certificate, like every document possible. And they're like, yeah, okay, we'll deposit that in your account. I'm like, so how much are you going to deposit? They're like, oh, we can't tell you. It'll just be deposited within like five business days. I'm like, what? really? You're going to deposit it, but you can't tell me? And they're like, oh no, there's a lot of fraud that I'm like, I have every document, two pieces of photo ID, like the will, what more? You're like, it's on its way there. Yeah, it's yeah. It, and, and you're not giving it to me. You're just telling me how much was in the account. Like, anyway. Yeah. It was uh, interesting. interesting. Yeah, it was interesting because I don't know if Leighton had talked to you guys about it, but he did. He basically did everything he could to prepare. So he closed everything he could. He like even went through his clothes. Like he went through and got rid of everything. And we laughed about it. What a great idea. Yeah. Like one summer. So every summer he'd be like, well, I'm not going to make it to the next summer. So he'd like toss out all his summer clothes. <laughs> and then the next summer would be come and be like, shit, I have no summer clothes. I'm like, maybe you should stop doing that until you know for sure. Because, you know, now you've got no clothes. He's like, <laughs> was ru- it- like ruining your income. He's just like, <laughs> yeah. a new wardrobe again late. Yeah, no. <laughs> every season he no. just throws them all out. Maybe, maybe, was he like- was, maybe he was doing that to like, to go you into like uh, telling him whether he would be around for that summer maybe. or not. Yeah, yeah, right. If I was like, yeah, sure, throw your clothes out, then he would know what the doctor told him. Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna. I know now. I know now. I'm gonna throw it out. Yeah, that's a good point. That's really funny. So when we talked to Layton, he mentioned that it was he first found out um, that he had melanoma when he was in Ottawa. Yeah. So what was that 
um, experience like for you finding out for the first time that he actually had cancer? Oh my God, that was like a punch in the stomach that no one ever wants to get. Um, so we had sold everything. We were, I was a month away from moving, permanently moving to Australia. And he was going to join me in the fall after he finished out his wedding season. Whoa. So we had like a bed and some pots and pans and that was literally it. And I was just about to go to PEI to drop my car off at my parents' house because we were literally leaving. And it was a Friday after work. And I remember he, it was a beautiful day. He took me outside and he's like, I need to tell you something. And I'm like, that's never good, right? When you hear that in a relationship, Mm -hmm. you're like, okay, are you breaking up with me? Like what's, and he'd been acting really weird really weird for like a month. And I didn't know what was going on. Like he wouldn't let me hug him. I was just like, what is he's definitely breaking up with me. Turns out later he was in so much pain from the big gouge in his back that they took off. And he didn't want me to know that he had stitches because he was trying to hide it all from me until he knew that he was okay. Cause everybody kept telling him I'm going to be, it's, it's not, it's not skin cancer. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So he's like, why am I going to worry Candace? I'm just not going to tell her until I know everything's Whoa. fine. And then I'll be like, Oh yeah, by the way, I had this, you know, big gouge in my back. That's blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he told me and I was devastated. I was like, what? Cause the minute you hear that, you're like, Hey, you're dead like tomorrow. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I had no idea. We had no family up there. We had a few friends, but like not, no real close friends. So it was crazy. It was like, okay, now what do we do? I just put like a 20 or $30,000 deposit on. Cause I was going to school in Melbourne for nursing that's what the plan was. So I'd already paid part of my like international tuition. Like, so we had to try to get the money back and start canceling everything and figuring out what we were going to do. And, um, yeah. So I was like, why didn't you tell me? That must be like the most inopportune time to, 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 because at that point, I guess you wouldn't have really known how serious it was. No, no, I had no idea. Well, because it wasn't, it wasn't until, like he thought that he was clear that first time, right? Mm-hmm. Or yeah, there was what a happened, period. There was. So he had he was talking about interferon on the last show. Ooh, yeah. So mm-hmm. he did that. We moved home, and then he was like, there was no evidence of cancer for a few years. So that's when we bought a house and got married and conceived Finn. Then I was he was wrong actually. I wasn't three months pregnant with Finn. I was like seven months pregnant with Finn when we found out it had come back. And what's so, that feeling? Oh my god. That was the worst feeling ever. I was just, I was so worried because he came home. I knew something was wrong and he told me, and I remember like where I was sitting, what time of day it was. Like, I remember everything about that moment and I just couldn't stop shaking. Like I was just so upset. I couldn't stop shaking. And then I was worried. I was like, okay, Finn's not even, I'm not even out of the clear with the pregnancy in terms of if I went into labor, the baby may not live. So I'm like, okay, I need to calm down. need to calm down. Like, I don't want to stress so too much and go into like early labor or anything. Mm -hmm. So we just walked around the block and we kept walking because we didn't know what else to do. We just like couldn't sit still and deal with the news. We just had to keep walking. And then and of you course, just walked like, into an early labor. You're like, oh, yeah. we walked too much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that, thank goodness that didn't happen. Sorry. Yeah. So uh, then you start thinking, okay, now we need to tell her parents this. So mm. yeah. So it went from there. <laughs> there's just the process the process of continuing to having to go through it because you're you continue to have have to keep telling people too yeah. so i can imagine that it's like when you go on a trip and you come home from the trip yeah and you tell the story like people are like hey how was your trip what did you do and the first time you tell it you like go into all the details because you're excited you just got back you're reliving the moment and then you see another person and they're like, yeah. hey, how was your trip? And you like kind of trim out some of the details, yeah. some of the fat. For me, it's mostly trimming out fat because I tell <laughs> shitty stories anyway. So I'm, right. I'm usually refining my story as I go. But <laughs> but uh, but then like the third or fourth time that you tell it, you're like, yeah, yeah it was it was a good trip. It was good. But yeah. yeah. Like how, how do you do that when you're dealing with telling somebody that you have – a very yeah. unfortunate diagnosis, you know? It's like – You go on a podcast and you go, I'm going to say it once yeah. – and once only. Exactly. That, that would have been better, actually, because then you don't have to deal with everyone's reactions. And we've yeah. had people on the show that said do that, that. That's yeah. what this, that that's what this is. This is it's their like the way of the coming out show. They'd they, they, they yeah. be like, well, I haven't really <laughs> even told many people in my life that I'm going yeah. through this, and I'm using this as a way so that it's like, okay, you got questions? Listen to the podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's their way of telling, idea, telling everybody. Yeah. Uh, how old are you? 
<clears throat> I'll be 37 this summer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought you were much younger. Thank you. Um, uh, you're welcome. Uh, I uh, Do you know any other young widows? Like, do you, are, are, are you kind of alone in this? I'm kind of alone in this. I mean, I know one through a friend of a friend of a friend on Facebook, but I don't, I've never met her and we don't really talk that much. So no, I'm kind of in this alone, which is interesting. Um, yeah. Do you, do you, is there any part of you that, that sort of searches for, for, um, you know, like a, a, a community or a group that, that you can kind of turn to? Um, like, do you have any resources that you used if you feel if you feel those feelings of like isolation or, or That's being funny alone. That's that you asked that question. I actually watched P.S. I Love You last week because I was like, I can relate to her. Have you guys watched that movie? Yeah, I have. It's yeah. been a long time. Yeah. Was that not heartbreaking uh, yeah. for you? Yeah, I'm a sucker for like misery because that was really hard, but <laughs> yeah, it felt I can imagine. good. I was just like, yeah, I know what she's going through. Like, yeah, it felt good. Um, I don't know. That's the question. I don't know if it would help me or not. Mm. Kind of like, I'm sure you've had other guests that talk about this too, but when Layton was talking about how he didn't associate with anybody online who had cancer because he didn't, not that he didn't want them to bring him down, but like he stayed in that certain headspace because that's how he got through it. And then to hear like people weren't doing well or, you know, what have you would just kind of like break him out of that headspace, the good headspace he created. That's kind of how I feel in a way. Like I'm in a decent headspace so I think it would be nice to talk to widows who went through it like years ago, who kind of mm-hmm. aren't in that initial grief period. Because I think that would be hard to just like, I don't want to sit around, <clears throat> not saying that people do, but me personally, I don't like to kind of sit around and, and wallow around, right. wallow in it. Yeah. It, just like we didn't when he was sick. It's like, you got to just be like, okay, it is what it is. It happened. And I'm still going to have a good day today. Like, you know what I mean? You just have to kind of like switch your mind because it didn't do us any good then it's not going to do me any good now it's certainly not going to do finn any good if i'm just sitting around you know thinking about it and thinking about Ooh. it you, you know could start it's... like a fun more fun version like a biker gang called the black widows <laughs> yeah dude yeah dude totally <laughs> fuck yeah buy then, some yeah. nunchucks and then instead of like all wallowing in your widowship <laughs> yeah. i'll call it uh, you can all just ride motors, ride definitely. Harleys, yeah, like down, definitely. and then park down at maybe the something safer, waterfront. like a moped. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you guys can all park down at the waterfront when, in the summer, and like I'll just stand around your bikes with yeah. uh, all your leather on and stuff. Tattoo each other, definitely. Yeah, just just start tattooing tattoo. each other. Yeah. Like it yeah. doesn't matter if you're good at art or anything. Yeah. <laughs> really, just do it. So uh, you heard it here first. Uh, the first meetup will be July first, exactly, <laughs> at three p.m. <laughs> That's a great uh, idea to look into that. So what's the, what is the, um, what is the plan for, for, you know, I know Leighton left these, these things behind for Finn. Yeah. Um, and so that Finn will have, uh, these, you know, these pieces of, of these projects and these pieces, these, these basically like artworks that mm-hmm. he can use to remember, Leighton, um, do you do you have a time frame in terms of like when you're going to no. open these up for him or? Um, well, there's one. So he made a box, which he talked about, but then he also left him a backpack filled with like, I don't know, like a set of drumsticks and some pencils with his name on them and um, some letters. Like some one drugs. You just like, here's some acid. Like, right. like I did it when I was here's some your age. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Leftover. <laughs> it's like a gained potency over the years. Yeah. Yeah. It'll have expired, but don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> Prescription drugs, drugs are bad. Uh, yeah, just to say a disclaimer. Yeah, uh, thanks, Brian. Don't do that. Like thanks, those, Brian. Uh, like those, uh, like those quaaludes that they take in, uh, <laughs> yeah, in, Wolf, in Wolf of Wall, Wall Street. Street. And they're like, are they expired? Do they work anymore? And they take them and they just yeah. screw them up. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that stuff is pretty much for when Finn starts school, I think. And there's a letter about it for Finn for when he starts school, mm. which is soon. It's like next September. So crazy. Crazy. The box is going to be harder. We talked a lot about that. And I just, I just said to him, I think I'm just going to give it to him when he starts asking a lot of questions. Here you go. Mm-hmm. Because it, it's a bit of an older, yeah, a bit of an older and tween or teenager. And I'm sure you'll probably... You'll 
there'll be the sign. He'll like, he'll start asking and I you'll know so. when it's, when it's right to I do that. So. I hope so. Yeah. 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 Um, Leighton was, when we first started doing the show, um, you know, Leighton was one of our, I think in our first five or six interviews that we did, interviews, conversations, and, you know, we were still trying to find what, like, the tone of the show was. You know, we were still figuring that out. Mm-hmm. And Leighton was a a huge, played a huge role in kind of setting the tone for what the show would be. Mm-hmm. Like, that mixture of laughter and seriousness yeah. and, like, philosophy and, like, introspection. And, um, and come... Jokes come jokes yeah their way yeah and right fart yeah yeah that's what she said <clears throat> lots and of that's farts what she said. Um, <laughs> well, my favorite part was when he said there's yeah there's just a piece of me and, <laughs> yeah. and, and he's like yeah. no and we're all like oh <laughs> like he goes I'm inside him and we all went <laughs> what <laughs> um, he I I mean we are obviously forever in his debt. For him helping us, like yeah. like mold the show, yeah, um, and kind of like what we stand for, yeah. And there was, you know, there was a handful of people in those early days of us doing the show that that kind of like lent themselves to what this whole project mm-hmm. became, and Leighton played a huge role in that. And in a, awesome. in a way, there's a piece of him inside of all of us. <laughs> yeah, I often like to think about that. <laughs> In bed at night. In bed at night. <laughs> the piece of on the bus. The I mean, in the middle of the day. Really, I think about it all the time. Yeah, Leighton's right. always in me. Um, I kind of feel like that about not in me, part, but <laughs> about how he like shaped you know my life too in a way. About how you guys feel about him in the podcast and the show is how Ooh. I feel about him in mm. my life. Like, yeah. totally changed everything. Um, how do you yeah. think that the the his death has how has it affected you like um do you think that it's it will have changed the way that you'll deal with death yeah again in the yeah. future yeah totally um I used to freak out about everything, like the little things, like everything I would worry about everything i'm not like not like that anymore, and I think even illness in general, whether terminal or, or not, you've, you start putting things in perspective a little bit better. Like, okay, is this really that serious? Is this really something to get really concerned about or not? And I think, uh, like say, hopefully not, but say somebody in my family got cancer. I think I'd be thinking they had a bit more time, hopefully than what I thought when Leighton first got sick and that there was more options. Like it just, uh, yeah, and what you want to do with that time and how you want to deal with it. And I think, yeah, it'll it'll definitely help for the future for dealing with everything. I'm, I'm definitely a stronger person than I used to be. That's mm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I know that we, we touched, um, you talked a little bit about the <laughs> emotional roller coaster yeah. following um, <clears throat> Leighton's death. But I remember, so the last time I saw you guys was walking you guys were walking out of the hospital Mm -hmm. and i was walking in and um you guys obviously looked pretty upset yeah and i could tell that things probably weren't very good it was it was probably like december ish Mm -hmm. maybe that time yeah and um i didn't really like know what to say yeah but that moment will stick with me because he said um he said, man, I hope you're not going in there because you know somebody in there. Mm-hmm. And I was going in to visit my mom. Oh, no. And that was the moment when I kind of realized the heaviness of, of going through and, and dealing with that situ- situation. <clears throat> and and it was it's such a, an interesting contrast because when we sat down and talked to him, on the podcast, he was doing really well. Mm-hmm. And after I left that conversation, I kind of had like the rose colored glasses on and 
I knew like, oh, Leighton's dealing with something that's very difficult to deal with, but he still looks like he's doing really well and Mm -hmm. he's in really good spirits. So that moment, seeing him outside of the hospital made me realize that, oh, this isn't something that's easy to deal with. You know, it it is really challenging. So um, fortunately for for me and and my mom, things things have worked out to be really good and she's in a good spot right now. And um, but I I just, I, I guess I'm curious to know what that was like, that roller coaster ride was like before in trying to compare and contrast like the the heaviness of the mm-hmm. bad times and the the lightness of the good times um and how like you try to spend more time how did you try to spend more time in the or what did you do to spend more time in that feeling of lightness versus mm-hmm. that feeling of darkness Lane was really good at that he through all of it, he sort of set the tone for us. So like us as in his family and like care, all of us as caregivers, we kind of, there was so many ups and downs throughout the, what, four years? Well, seven, but four. Um, he kind of just decided that we weren't going to be like super high and then super low, that even on the super highs, we were always going to try to keep an even keel like mm-hmm. because if you get too excited you know that eventually there's going to be that bad point or or you know he's gonna have setbacks or what have you so we always just kind of tried to stay a little bit even is that is that kind helps. of like when when in the conversation that we had he he mentioned like i was a hell of a lot more fun before yeah. i got sick and yeah. was that do you think that's kind of a, a result of trying to keep a more even keel Sort of. And also just, he was so carefree and he couldn't be carefree anymore because he obviously was carrying the biggest burden of all. Right. But yeah, we watched, we watched, I don't know if you guys saw our honeymoon video. It's pretty fun. Anyway, he made this like little honeymoon video from us. We went to Mexico and we rewatched it. We rewatched some old videos of us and we were like, damn, we were fun. Like we used to be fun because obviously, Mm. you know, dealing with it, we just... We didn't really have those kind of carefree moments as much anymore, mm-hmm. especially in the later part of that. But we always just kind of tried to stay pretty level-headed. I mean, it was easier in certain times than others, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I guess I always wonder, like, like that's my big question in, in, in dealing with illness <laughs> is, like, how do you stay optimistic? Like, how do you try to live in those positive yeah. moments when, when it would be so easy to be yeah. consumed by the negativity. I think Finn played a big role in that because mm. he was just, you know, having fun and yeah. not worrying about anything. And, you know, mm-hmm. so it was easy for us to feed off that energy of, yeah, or he, Finn would get excited to go to like the Dingle or, you know, to the playground. We'd be like, yeah, we're going to the playground. You know, yeah. So we just did, we'd feed off of his energy and, you know, children are so time consuming and, you know, that we didn't have time all day, every day to think about, oh, crap, he's got an appointment coming up tomorrow or this is happening or that. We'd be like, yeah, buddy, we're making you supper and we're taking you here, you know. Mm -hmm. So that really helped us just to kind of like stay present and focus on um, now Mm. and Finn. Yeah. Yeah. I – is there anything that we we haven't dived into that that you were hoping we would talk about today? I didn't really know what, well, I didn't have any sort of agenda of what we were going to talk about, but not really. I mean, I think, I think it's just something that we don't talk about enough. You know, Mm -hmm. I I think people are kind of like left alone to grieve and, you know, only the immediate family are kind of know what's going on. And I just, that's not me. You know, I just, I kind of wanted to just talk about it because people are afraid or, you know don't know what to say or, you know, they, they have no experience. Like I'm, I'm fairly young to be a widow. So I think it's good to talk about it. Just like Leighton wanted to talk about, um, you know, his illness. I feel like it's a continuation of that, of Mm -hmm. being open and honest about what's going on. And Mm -hmm. uh, I'm an open book so people can ask me anything. And Mm. yeah. How do you, how do you think your friends have, felt about talking do you think it's been a, a challenge for them to I do. feel comfortable talking to you about it I think so I think they ask how I'm doing 
Um, but nobody really knows where that line is of what I want to talk about and what I don't want to talk about. And, um, and, and for them, a lot of them, it's hard for them to talk about it because mm-hmm. some of my friends grew up with Leighton. So, yeah, right. you know, they're dealing with their own, you know, grief too. And same with his friends, you know? So, but I like to talk about things. I'm a talker, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So. Amen to that. Yeah. It feels so good to do this. <laughs> it really does. And I can understand why somebody could, could, could go, yeah, well, it's, you know, it's not, as, it's not that easy. And I say that in the way that, because not everybody has a radio show where they say, come on in <laughs> yeah. person and yeah. we're going to talk about this. Yeah. They don't have a scheduled meeting to talk about the person they just yeah. lost. We do. So it feels really easy and really free and really like, really open and yeah. I love it. And so how, how can people try to get a little bit of this, a little, whatever, how, whatever it is here that facilitates mm-hmm. the ease of this kind of conversation and bring it into their own lives. Cause I know that I would struggle to find you know, the right time or the right place, whatever it is to bring. I think it's just committing to it. Conversation. You, you know mean it, like, like, it is. you know, I was sitting here earlier before you showed up, Candace, and the film crew showed up and, you know, they were setting up and Andrew and I were talking and Andrew was like, what do you, like, how do you feel about this? And I was like, fuck, I'm nervous. Like, I don't, I, I met Candace once. And it was like for five minutes after our recording with Leighton. And it's not every day that you talk to someone who just recently lost their husband. Mm -hmm. I don't fucking know how the conversation is going to (laughs) go. Like, I I hope it's, I hope that. I don't see any boxes of tissue. Yeah, there's not even even (laughs) tissue in here. Like, I, Jesus, right? I know. Like, what kind of fucking operation are we running? Because we talked about that before talking to Leighton, like how sad it would be, how sad it would be, and how surprised we were that it wasn't Mm -hmm. that sad, you know? It was, it was nice. It was comforting and and felt. But the thing is, is that we just commit, you show up. Okay, you're here. We're gonna, let's talk about this. Know, We're going to have this it. conversation. I, I don't think that we have enough real conversations anymore. Like I personally don't, mm-hmm. you know, like there's so many, you know, idiotic conversations that you have in the run of a day or, yeah, yeah. or even like small talk with really good friends. And you're mm-hmm. like, I want to talk about something like nitty gritty. Like, let's get into. Do you think life, it's, do you think you it's know? something that, that because you're the one who lost, you know, you're the one who lost Leighton, who was so yeah. close to you. That it the onus is on you to facilitate like, all right, guys, let's dive into something real fucking deep. Like, I, let's drop the bullshit. Maybe, but I don't know if it's just other people being uncomfortable. Mm. They might be uncomfortable with it. Like, you guys are very comfortable. You're obviously used to talking about mm-hmm. tough, tough topics. So it's finding people who are comfortable talking about it and yeah. who want to talk about like mortality or, yeah. you know, like those are heavy subjects. Some Wouldn't it be great if there was like a signal, like a, like a universal signal, like a yeah. sort of wink, yeah. snap, snap, wink, wink, uh, <laughs> like some sort of twitch look. <laughs> I've uh, a lot of twitches actually. <laughs> yeah. Just like a twitch. And then you go, oh, I get it. Yeah. They just gave me the uh, real talk twitch. Yeah. And then you Doesn't can like kind of go into else, it. Though? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It just could, it could be like exactly what the sick boy logo is. You just walk up to somebody, cough in cough their face. Their I, it kind of looks yeah. like they're just uh, cough yeah, in like their throwing face. up in their face. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cough directly into their earlobe. But it's really interesting to, to talk about like having these real conversations <laughs> because, and speaking of, of my mom, we, when we were uh, filming some stuff for the documentary, um, we actually kind of like lined up my mom and I to sit down and talk about her experience. Yeah. And, whether I would have had that conversation or not, if it wasn't um, kind of backed by the idea of doing it for the documentary, is is something that I'm not entirely sure about right. because there is so much more. Uh, there's there's a lot of discomfort around going to a place like that, like getting into a real conversation about something that makes you feel uncomfortable. But as soon as the conversation conversation started, yeah. it felt fine and it felt good, and and at the end of talking, it was like there was this weight that was lifted mm-hmm. off of the both of us. And, and 
then we kind of continued to talk about those things afterwards. Yeah. And it was almost like mm. this particular moment that was a little bit set up at first was a catalyst for being able to more easily talk about yeah. things like that in the future. And I think it's almost like our onus as, as individuals to kind of make that weird or awkward plan mm-hmm. to talk about something like this first. Yeah. yeah. And then from that point on, it's like the doors open. If you like sat down with your friends and said, Hey guys, look like tonight at seven o'clock, we're going to chat about, you know, what I'm going through and you do that, then it's almost like the next time you get yeah. together, that invitation is there. Yeah. And whether you talk about it You wonder if they more, run it's... in the other direction. Yeah. So maybe yeah. that's the thing then. Maybe people just need to, like it literally does need to schedule scheduled. It. Yeah. No, it's like therapy, but with your friends. Yeah, so that you don't have so to feel fun. like you're on this yeah. like, when do I bring it up? Where do I bring it up? It's yeah. just like, yo, let's fucking talk about it. Let's yeah. set up a time, and you can pretend that you have mics in front of your face. It makes you like, feel better. Just use your iPhone. Just yeah. fucking start recording with you your iPhone. You could make a podcast too, and yes, then uh, yeah. you know, call it <laughs> Sick Dick Boy Two. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a really natural name Sick for girl. another yeah. one. Sick Boy Two. Anyway, two two point oh. Well, thank you, Candice. Thank you for coming in and and shedding some light oh, on on Layton's you know uh, story after we spoke to him yeah. and and your you know your experience and a little Finn. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, thank you, guys. Really means fun. a lot. We're yeah. we're all hoping that Finn calls us. Yeah, I hope he we're. Will. Are we on that list? I hope we are. If you, if we're not, can you just I, insert a card? Check, yeah, I'm sure you are. Just check, and if we're not, just because Layton said he said that he was going to make like a serious list and then like a B list. I oh, think. really? Well, he said in the episode he said that he would like he was getting a lot of people reaching out who were right. like, I'm I'm kind of like not super passionate about this thing, but I know yeah. about it. So he was like, Yeah, I'm going to kind of make like a, a yeah. secondary list for those. people. I've had a few people actually <laughs> Facebook message me and say. Yeah, you can put me on that. Sweet. Is the podcast in in his little? Yeah, I think so. Backpack. Mm -hmm. Cool. It's in the box. Yeah. Okay. In the box. Because the box goes in a safe. So. Oh wow. Maybe he'll. Maybe maybe he'll he'll start getting like curious, and you'll give that to him at a time where he'll listen to the podcast, and like some of the jokes will be kind of over his head, and then he'll listen to it again when he's older, and he'll be like, ah, kind of like when you were young and you watch Seinfeld and you don't get any of it, but you laugh anyway because your dad's like. Oh, that's funny. I was going to say, kind of like the time I went to see Tragically Hip when I was like uh, six and I smelled weed but had no idea. <laughs> and then I was like 15 and when smelled weed like for the first time yeah. at 15, I was like, oh my God, that was that shit I smelled when I was six. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, again, thank you for yeah. coming in. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back next week with another uh, fun and enlightening conversation. Uh, in the meantime, head on over to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we're on there. You can check out our shit. Uh, where can people find Layton's photography? Is there a place online where some of his stuff exists? His website's still up. Is it up? Yeah, should be. I haven't checked like in the last month, but Google Layton Reed photography yeah. and see what comes up. He might be able to find some pretty man. His photos are fucking good. Mm-hmm. Just beautiful stuff. Yeah. Um, that's it for today. Uh, until next week I'm Brian I'm Taylor Leave a review on iTunes McGilvery And I'm Jerry And this is Sick Way. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.